You've heard how Platespin Recon tells you what's out there on your network. Now let's find out how Platespin Migrate lets you make better use of it. Today on Novell Open Audio. Novell Open Audio, the podcast that connects the Novell user community with what's going on inside and around the Novell universe. I'm your host, Randy Goddard. I'm Aaron Quill. And I'm David Mayer. Guys, today we're here to talk about Platespin Migrate. Now, our listeners, if you haven't already listened to the Platespin Recon interview, you might want to stop this recording right now because really we're just continuing the conversation that we had before. So Platespin Migrate uses all the information we collected in Platespin Recon about the current machines in your environment and how to really best use those. And it really helps you come up with a server consolidation plan, has suggestions for what should run on virtual machines, has suggestions for what should run on physical hardware. And not only that, it actually looks at the hardware that you have today and maybe some of the hardware you're planning on using and helps you best optimize what they call workloads, which is just a server operating system and its application. The services on top of it. Yeah, it helps you decide the best place to run the those workloads. Well, what's cool about Platespin Migrate is it then lets you take those workloads and kind of rips out anything that's hardware or a specific virtual machine technology dependent inside that workload. What that means is, let's say you've got a physical HP server and you want to move that over to XEN virtualization or you want to move that over to VMware virtualization. It would actually grab the data and, you know, the operating system and everything not only copy all that data from the physical box over to the virtual machine, but when it's doing that, it'll rip out all the hardware-dependent drivers that are in the operating system and inject the proper ones for your virtualization platform. That leaves me with a whole bunch of questions. Let's hear the interview. On the phone today, Aaron and I welcome John Stedick, Director of Product Management for the SRM group. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. John, we had you on on a previous episode where we talked about Platespin Recon, which Platespin Recon's this killer product that goes out, does an analysis of all the different machines, all of your servers in your environment, all your virtual machines, and really lets you get a handle on exactly what's going on with those, how they're being used, and kind of helps you to figure out the best way to consolidate those different servers and VMs or workloads, as you referred to them, uh, how you can really consolidate those down best based on whatever your needs are. So today, we'd like to talk to you about a different Platespin product that kind of builds on that stuff that we learned from Platespin Recon, which is Platespin Migrate. John, what is Platespin Migrate? So Platespin Migrate is our product that allows you to seamlessly move server workloads, so the operating system application and data, seamlessly move those workloads anywhere in the data center, whether you want to move them between physical and virtual infrastructure or de-virtualize them, moving them between dissimilar physical hardware, and really be able to give you the freedom to move those workloads wherever you need so you can balance out your workload demand with your resource supply. So we're talking like workloads as sort of an object that you can move from physical to virtual, virtual to virtual, or physical to physical, and so forth. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. And really, the the reason you want to do all those types of moves is incredibly varied. When we first created the product, uh, really, we were working on addressing the issue of how can we accelerate people's virtualization projects? How can we help them get more out of their virtualization by 
speeding up their ability to move existing production workloads into their virtual machines. And as we found the actual general technology that we call workload portability, it actually became very applicable to help people move their workloads wherever they wanted, whether they're doing hardware migrations or uh, data center relocations or devirtualizing because of hardware support or making copies of workloads into a test lab to apply updates and patches. So we found it became a really must-have piece of technology in the data center to, to just let you freely move things wherever you want, whenever you want. Let's talk about that for a second in real terms. So really what you're saying is, I've got a server, and let's just take an example of going from one piece of hardware to another, and then we can extrapolate from that on how that would work with VMs and images and such. I've got an existing server, it's old, I need to migrate it to a new piece of hardware. What is it that you guys actually do? You've got two options for the migration. You can either do it in a live migration or you can do it in an offline migration. So the first thing you would do if you're migrating into a physical server is you'd boot up that target physical server off of one of our boot CDs. You just boot it up. You could do a remote ISO mounting if you have that capability, say, through a blade chassis. Boot it up, then you register that server with the Platesman Migrate server. And then you can go into our console, into the interface, and you'll see the source workload that you want to migrate and then this new target that you want to migrate to. And really, it's a case of through the user interface, you just pick up the workload, the source workload, drag and drop it over to that target system, step through a wizard that allows you to reconfigure the workload so it'll run inside that new environment, grow and shrink disk sizes, rename host names, IP addresses, maybe you're moving it to a different network segment. You press go. And then Platesman Migrate takes care of moving that workload over into your new environment. And what about drivers and things? Because you're going to have, you know, older drivers on that older machine, and this new machine might have a totally different type of disk subsystem. It might um, have, you know, obviously different NICs, different types of processor. How, how do you handle all that? That's the, the good secret sauce behind our <laughs> workload portability technology. What we're able to do is that we can dynamically recognize on the fly the hardware profile of that new target system. So what are all the different devices that you have there? What are the disk subsystems? And then we can replicate the workload from your source machine over into your target machine. We'd stream over all the data and then we can actually modify the operating system at a lower level to be able to make it actually boot in that new environment. So this is a case of changing your mass storage drivers for your different device subsystems, being able to change house and kernels to move from single proc to multi-proc systems, really being able to make that operating system, configure that operating system so it'll actually run inside that new environment. How do we take care of the referencing there? You know, in, in our previous interview, we talked about kind of this database, this partner-fed database that has all of the hardware configuration information. Are we relying upon a similar thing or the same database, or how's that done on the back end? It's a similar concept, although it, it is a different database because it holds vastly different information. On the recon side, it's about sort of nameplate information, how big the servers are, rack size, and so forth, whereas it's a little bit more of a sophisticated setup on the driver database. So Platesman Migrate ships with a driver database that has a number of leading drivers all built into it, and it's cross-referenced by PNP ID, by uh, operating system type, even language pack. So we can then dynamically determine, okay, well, this is this new type of hardware. I'm moving this over to a Dell box with a Perk 6 card in it. This is the driver that we need to inject. Then, of course, that's also field updatable. So as new drivers come out and new hardware is available, users can simply take that driver pack, upload to their driver database, and then actually deploy out their system and be able to make use of those updated drivers. And you guys can actually do more than just drivers, because if we're talking about, you know, like HP servers, they've got the HP Insight Manager software. You can actually inject that into the operating system as well, can't you? 
Yeah, so there's actually, the HP Insight Manager is a great example of something that you maybe either want to inject into or get rid of on the system. So if you're going to say, let's take the example where you're going to virtualize systems and you have a bunch of HP Insight Managers running on those workloads running on physical machines, but you don't need them running inside the virtual machine. Uh We actually allow you to do one of two things. You can either set the system to just disable that service so that service won't run on the target side. So you can do that in all in an automated fashion. And actually new in our latest release, we've added the ability to do post-conversion scripting. That post-conversion scripting would let you either, A, uninstall that driver. So you just write a little script uh, to uninstall that agent, I mean. Or if you wanted to, say, install that agent, you could actually write a little script that would actually install that agent as well, too. And that would get run all automatically as part of the conversion or relocation process. So I got to make a comment real quick on the actual conversion process. So I've had a chance to sit down and play with the product quite a bit. And from a geek's point of view, I got to tell you what I think the coolest part of the product is. And Randy, you're going to love this when you actually see it. When they go to do an actual convert, they say, you know, okay, there's 15 steps to actually do this conversion. You know, first I need to have communication with the source. Then I have to have communication with the destination. They list out those 15 steps. And you see it walking through each one of those steps. So as it's doing the migration, you can see, oh, it's stuck trying to talk to the new piece of hardware. You can easily go see, that's where my yeah. failure is. I need to fix this oh, so I can move on. Oh, a firewall up between here and oh, there. It's just, it, it's so nice for troubleshooting. When I was going through it in the lab, I, of course, was running into problems that were there on purpose so that I could see this happen. It just made troubleshooting so much easier because wow. you knew exactly at what step it was having issues. From a design point of view. Uh, in a previous life, I did some work in industrial automation and building big factory automation systems. And the thing that I learned in that in that role was that automation is only as reliable as the predictability of your environment. So as we were building up plates and migrate, uh, we realized that the data center was anything but predictable. <laughs> so what we wanted to do was be able to give people insight as to what's going on. Typically, you know, you set the conversion, press go, and away it goes, no problem. It's when you run into those unpredictable situations like, oh, I didn't know there was a fire while there, or I'm transferring across the WAN and my latency shot up so high that I'm, <laughs> I'm losing network packets and so forth. So being able to give people insight as to where those errors are occurring. And as well, because we're operating at a low level in the operating system, and again, drivers, sometimes there's unpredictability. If something actually does go wrong and the conversion actually fails, you can drill right down to the spot that it failed, and we have these live help links that come up. You click on the link, it takes you back to the knowledge base article, and actually will give you all the relevant knowledge base articles that are created on a daily or weekly basis. And it's really all driven around knowledge from the community to actually help you figure out, hey, okay, I see the problem that I have here. A great example of that is if you've got a certain instance of an IBM director agent running on the system, that director agent interferes with being able to reconfigure the OS on the target side. And uh-huh. so by doing some troubleshooting and support, we figured out what the problem was, posted up a knowledge base article. So if someone sees that problem in the field, they click on the link, boom, get the knowledge base article, fix the problem, and away you go. Okay, so we've covered the basic concept here of moving um, what you refer to as a workload from one physical box to another. I totally got that. I understand how you can strip out the hardware drivers, put in the new proper hardware drivers. That's cool. Now, I see how we can take that to virtual machines. So you can pull out the physical drivers and anything like you mentioned, that HP Insight Manager, any hardware monitoring type stuff. 
totally see how we pull that out, move it over to a VM. I assume you guys support a variety of different virtual machine technologies, right? Yeah, exactly. And the process that we use to move into a virtual machine is very similar in the way that we would do it to a physical machine. The the difference here is that we sort of have three levels of support for different hypervisors. So we have what we call semi-automated, automated, and then advanced support. As it relates to Migrate, it's really good to talk about semi-automated and automated. In the automated fashion, what we'll do is we'll actually automatically create the virtual machine for you based on the configuration of the original physical machine. You can, of course, readjust and reallocate memory and disk, and so you can manipulate it, but we'll pre-configure the job to automatically create a virtual machine for you based on whatever specs you enter. As well, then we can do some post-conversion activity, which will install VMware tools, say, for example, and sort of do some post-conversion cleanup. So that's the automated version. The semi-automated version, it does all the heavy lifting for you and all the hard stuff like replicating all the data across, uh, you know, across high latency networks. It does all the manipulation of the operating system. The only thing that you need to do is just manually create the VM first, boot it up off of our ISO image, and then just treat it as if you were converting those workloads, moving that workload over to, say, a physical target. It just happens to be that physical target's actually a virtual machine running on a hypervisor. So we still could do quite a bit to automate that, even if you've got to manually create that virtual machine. I mean, if we're talking about XEN with SLES, we could simply just issue the XM command to clone an existing VM, and that would, you know, generate a new MAC address and everything for it. Or, Randy, we could also just do a lot of this stuff with AutoYast, couldn't we? Sure. Yeah, we could easily create an AutoYast response file and have it automatically just based on a response file. just a simple text file that lists how you want that VM built and have that completely automated as well. Now, on a high level, what is supported in the fully automatic uh, way and what is supported in the semi-automated way? Sure, yeah. So in the semi-automated way, we support Hyper-V and Xenon SLES. In the fully automated way, we support ESX and Citrix Zen server. Okay. And I assume that, that that's one of those lists that's constantly changing that we'll probably see change in the, in exactly, the future Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah, we publish what we call our, our PAM, our platform availability matrix. And with every release, we keep either adding new hypervisors. So this recent release, we added Hyper-V and then on SLES support in a semi-automated fashion. Previous release, we added Citrix Zen in a fully automated fashion. And really, as hypervisors get released and there's new hypervisors in the market, it really goes through a progression. We start out with semi-automated, then we move to automated support. We've talked about physical-to-virtual and virtual-to-virtual migration here. Does this also hold true across hypervisors? Meaning, if you've got a workload on a particular VMware ESX server that you need to migrate elsewhere, and the only thing you've got available is XEN or Microsoft Hyper-V, is that possible as well? Yeah, it sure is. The targets are are generic targets for us. And because of the way that we operate in terms of how we manipulate the operating system, we're able to uh, make a fairly clean move between all different types of hypervisors. So when going through your documentation and literature, I've seen that you do, you know, physical to physical, physical to virtual. We've covered all that. But I also see references to images. What does that mean by converting? And why would I want to do that, convert a workload from a physical or virtual to an image? Right. So really, the, the image uh, process, it's a standard live image capture, image deploy capability. Now, the image deploy capability, of course, is hardware independent because we can do all the same driver switching and push it out to any type of hardware that you want. And really, you're going to use imaging for two reasons, really. One would either be for 
being able to capture an image of a server, then move it over to a secondary site and then deploy it back out. So say if you're doing a, a data center relocation or you need to move a server from site to another site, but there's no network connection between those two sites, you'd simply capture an image of that server, stick it on some removable media, ship it over to the other site, and then deploy it back out. Or if you wanted to be able to provision out new servers from one gold master, you could do that. And that gold master, you could use to provision out into a virtual machine, out to physical machines. It wouldn't matter. You can actually have a common provisioning process for both physical and virtual machines. In considering consolidation of these workloads, you know, maybe we've got a critical workload that we want to be able to migrate somewhere else, whether it's a physical to virtual or virtual to virtual, you know, we probably want to be able to test that initially. What sort of uh, guards have you put in place for us to be able to do that? Yeah, so that's a really good point on the critical workloads that once, especially on the virtualization side, it, it's actually interesting. I'll tell a little side story about just being able to think about moving critical workloads. And if you're an infrastructure guy and you're providing services to application owners, a lot of application owners understand the benefit of virtualization and they think it's a great idea but not their application. They're comfortable with it running inside of a physical environment. So it's sort of that not-in-my-backyard mentality sometimes. And so what we find a lot of our customers like to be able to do is show people, hey, don't worry, we're going to get it into a virtualized environment. We're going to let you test it out in a virtualized environment. And then if you don't like it, we can either roll it back to a physical or we can let you play with it in a virtualized environment before we actually do a cutover or not only play with it, but do full user acceptance testing inside the virtualized environment. In a staged the, area, in other words. In a staged area, exactly. And so the way that that actually works is if you've got a large critical workload, you can move it while the workload's still up and running. It's live, but we are able to stream that Windows workload we're able to do live. Today, we stream Linux in an offline manner. Tomorrow, we'll be able to do that live as well. So you stream the workload live while it's still running in production. Then you can isolate that inside the virtualized environment. Let those application test teams work on it, test it, feel comfortable. Yep, this is performing properly in a virtualized environment. Now, while you're doing that, of course, the production server is still being accessed. So now you essentially have drift between Uh those two workloads. So what you can do now is during your cutover phase, use a feature that we call server sync, which lets you actually replicate only the data that's changed from the first time that you replicate it over the server. So instead of having to replicate the entire workload all over again and you know transfer gigabytes upon gigabytes of data, we're going to just replicate the data that's changed. So what it does is it actually really shrinks your outage window to just the incremental data replication from the first time you did the relocation. So essentially, this really enables testing, which essentially de-risks your entire consolidation projects. So the server sync is sort of like an R-sync specifically for the data that's changed between the test environment and the live environment. Yep, that's exactly right. So it really enables that sort of cutover period to be really shrunk down. And as well as I actually, it's funny, you guys had mentioned uh, imaging as well. I talked about the scenario of being able to capture an image, move it over to a secondary site, and then deploy it out. If you have a small pipe between your primary and your secondary site or your, your old site and your new site, what you could do is you can capture an image, move it over. You know That might take a day to get it FedExed over to that other site to deploy <laughs> it out. Well, now you've got a day's worth of drift between the image and the production server if you've kept that production server uh, right. going. So once you deploy out the image in the new location, you run server sync, copy just the deltas, and then you're up and running. Nice. And speaking of sync, not to get all geeky on you, one of the things that I really like is the fact that you do not only a file-based replication – Depending on what your host and destination operating systems are, you can actually get down to a block-level replication, right? Yeah, so the block-level replication can be quite efficient for replicating high I.O. and high transactional workloads. 
because we can essentially you know, mirror the workload, if you will. So as database changes are happening and they're being written to disk, we're just firing off just the blocks that have changed until you get to a mirrored state, and then you can stop the replication, shut down the source, and bring up the target. John, thanks a lot for sitting down and bringing Randy and I up to speed on plate spin migrate. Okay, Dave, did we answer at least the majority of your questions? Yeah, I had all sorts of questions about how you take hardware drivers on A and replace them with hardware drivers on B and still get that to work. John did a great job of explaining that for me. And one of the things that I liked about it was the fact that it's not like I have to physically delete those drivers. It really can just deactivate those drivers or uninstall whatever it is you really want to do. You decide how you want it to handle uh, what it did with the old drivers. Even more impressive to me is that that can be done for Windows because that's such a hard environment to replace drivers in. What I like is not only can it do it in Windows, that it can actually do that Windows migration live. So you can actually have people up and running, hitting the old Windows box as you're doing that migration and people don't even notice. It's a thing of beauty. It's beautiful. We're real happy to have all those new placement products. And we have one more episode coming up where we're going to talk about yet another plate spin product that we'll drop in another couple weeks. Guys, have uh, good holidays, and we'll see you next year. Thank you. Adios. Remember that Novell Open Audio is brought to you by Novell Users International, as well as Novell Incorporated. Most of our content is directed by our listener community, so please send us your feedback by email at openaudio at novell.com or by leaving comments on our website at novell.com slash openaudio. That's it for this time. Have a good one.